Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Chris Rowley. She is a transformational life coach and certified mastery consultant. She helps you design and manifest a life that is in harmony with your soul's purpose. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here with everybody else on the podcast. So how did you become a transformational life coach? So it's a little bit of a long story, but definitely well worth it. So I knew when I was growing up and getting out of school that I wanted something to do something that was really going to be meaningful and impact people's lives. I had this awful tendency to help people before I would do anything for myself. And it used to frustrate the heck out of my teachers and my parents and everything like that. So I knew that was really, really important to me. And I loved like really, really helping people. And so when I was young, I thought the best way to go about doing that was really by becoming a medical doctor. So I spent a huge portion of my life studying medicine, particularly like natural holistic medicine, which we'll come back to that a little bit later. But I spent a lot of time focusing on it. And I was like that all the way through college. I thought that's what I wanted to be. And then I just kind of was like, I did an internship and I realized if I'm a medical doctor, I basically give up everything else in my life. And I'm not sure I want to do that. (laughs) So eventually I came to work for pharmaceutical companies and in particular Japanese pharmaceutical company and spent a lot of time there. And I, I worked my way through the ladder. I ended up working through human resources, which I really loved. And I ultimately manifested a long-term goal of mine, which was to do an international assignment in Japan And it was while I was there that I had my sort of life-changing moment. I had spent 10 years working towards getting this international assignment. It was doing human resources, which don't get me wrong, I absolutely love doing. I love the complexity of organizations and things like that. But on paper, you know, like I had everything and I, I was sitting there one night looking out my window, looking out at the moon and I'll never forget. It's like, I'm so unhappy. Mm. I was like, I have everything that I could possibly think that I want, but I am so deeply unhappy and it doesn't make sense. Like why this is wrong. Like this is my one and only life. It's a gift. And the fact that I'm unhappy with it is wrong. And so I had to do a lot of soul searching after that. And, you know, it was a little bit difficult because I was depressed. (laughs) It was hard to feel enthusiasm for this job that I supposedly loved and everything like that you know, I'm just trying to figure everything out and put the light bulb on for me was my line manager who I was working with in Japan. She sat down with me and she was like, you know, I am so grateful that I met you. She said, I have learned so much by working with you both as an HR professional, but you've been so amazing, like always providing the advice and feedback for how to, you know, do all these things that helped me achieve my personal and professional goals. And that was it. That was like when I was like, I love HR, but I am so disconnected from helping individuals. And it took that one instance for me to realize that that's what I needed. I needed to help people at a very, very personal level and to see them transform their lives. And I realized that when I had the most energy, when I came alive, 
it was when I was doing that. It was when I was coaching and mentoring and talking to people and sitting down and really helping them think through their problems and how to resolve it and create what it is that they wanted to create. So after that, it was, you know, fait accompli. I went out and I researched and I looked for a bunch of things. And eventually I came across the Life Mastery Institute, which is now technically called the Brave Thinking Institute. But the Life Mastery Institute resonated most with me because it was a holistic approach, right? And back when I was looking at medicine, the concept of, okay, it's purely chemical, clinical, we're going to give you a pill didn't resonate with me. So similarly with being a life coach and coaching and mentoring people as a career and ultimately a vocation for myself, I knew that I couldn't do something that was going to be segmented or partial or focused really on one thing. I wanted to help people holistically because life is indivisible, right? You have one life. It's not neatly compartmentalized. It all relates to one another. So that is my little bit long-winded story for how I became a life coach, but I love doing it. Something I would never go back on. I appreciate that. I really respect holistic types of medicine as well. So I think that's what has had the biggest impact on my life. How do we end up in a life that doesn't match our authentic selves? I think there are a lot of factors for every person. And for every person, the nuances are going to be a little bit different, but ultimately we train ourselves to stop listening to our authentic voice, right? Think about when anybody's a child, right? And you ask them what they want to be when they grow up and their faces light up when they talk about whatever it is, right? I want to be a fireman. I want to be this. I want to be that. Their faces light up, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, people respond to that in different ways based on their own paradigms and their perceptions. And then they start giving people subtle messages about, oh, well, you know, oh, that's nice, honey. And you get this subtext that tells you, oh, maybe I want to rethink it, right? So we start getting all this messaging and then people in our lives, our teachers, our parents, our family, they mean well, they want us to be, you know, safe and happy and healthy, but that's kind of diametrically opposed to living an authentic life and living your dream because your dream comes with risk. Whatever it is that you truly want, if it's something you truly want, it's going to require risk and growth, which is diametrically opposed to having something that's safe, right? Right. We have all of these messages coming at us about, you know, how we want to live a safe life. Oh, you know, wait until you go off and do your entrepreneurial thing until you've saved up some money, you know, get a real job, a real (laughs) job where you can save up some money and da, 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 da. And then you hedge your bets with everything that you do. Yeah. I love listening to a whole bunch of things. I was listening to NeuroGym, which is, you know, part of my evolution into becoming a life coach and finding the Life Mastery Institute. But, you know, they talk about in the money story, how there's a difference between somebody who attacks something with their full passion and their full vigor and the results that they get from that versus somebody who goes at it halfway. They're not confident. Mm -hmm. They're not a hundred percent in it to win it. And then they get the mediocre results and then they wonder why. Yeah. So same thing with living a life that doesn't match our authentic self. We train ourselves over time to start listening to messages outside ourselves to play it safe. And then we end up ultimately squandering our most precious gift, which is our one and only life. Yeah. That's powerful. I absolutely agree with that. I, I look back even on my own journey and I always had a side hustle. Always. Loved entrepreneurship, 
you know, whether I was building a nonprofit and writing books and speaking on the weekends, no matter what I was doing, I always had a side hustle, but it wasn't until the pandemic when there was that opportunity. I didn't have a job anymore and it was, okay, now's the time to actually make things work and go for your passion. And it wasn't until everything was on the table that I could actually do it. Right. It takes a full time to get full time results. It does. You have to remember the only one that you need permission from is yourself. You don't need permission from the other people in your life. It's wonderful when they support you because anytime you're pursuing a dream and you're doing something risky that requires growth. And I don't mean risky in terms of, you know, like you're going to bankrupt yourself, but I mean like risk as in putting yourself out there, you know, investing yourself wholeheartedly in something, you know, that puts you in a place of vulnerability. That's a kind of risk. So anytime you're doing that, it's very important. In fact, I think it's crucial when living an authentic life to have that support network, you know, don't get me wrong, but too often we, you know, go to our peers, our loved ones in our lives, and we almost seek permission from them to do something that we really truly want to do when we're the only ones who can live our lives. Yeah. Your mother can't live your life. Your father can't live your life. Your siblings, your spouse, your kids, they can't live your life for you. You're the only one who can live your life when you seek permission for them, because you do have certain responsibilities, not, you know, ties to all of those people. But ultimately, if they really, truly love you, they want for you to be happy as well. And their happiness is not going to be dependent on you, right? Why do you think that so many try to make a change and then they find themselves pulled back to how things were previously? There's a couple different factors. I would say it's three big factors, right? Number one, it definitely comes down to the neuroscience of the brain. And as somebody who loves like medicine and understanding human physiology, like neuroscience to me, it's like the ultimate culmination of like human medicine, biochemistry, and then my life's passion of coaching and mentoring people. Like the brain is so fascinating, but neurologists have this expression that is the neurons that fire together, wire together. And so our brain creates this neuronal network and all of these neuronal pathways that are very energy efficient because the brain is so energy greedy, your body and your brain has this bias towards saying, okay, I want to conserve as much energy as possible and use my existing neuronal networks. Now, the great thing is your brain is extremely plastic, right? I hate the expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks because it is like the greatest fallacy out there, right? Because <laughs> it's so not true. I could go on this topic forever, but to keep it on point, you can break down neuronal pathways. You can change them. You can break them apart and create new pathways in your brain, but it takes a lot of energy. You have to, number one, create a new neuronal pathway. And then number two, you have to constantly reinforce it. So that takes persistence, it takes diligence, and it also takes a ton of awareness. So your brain to a certain extent is fighting you when it comes to change. The other portion, and this is the second factor, it comes with the evolution of our brains, right? Our brain is really divided up into three evolutionary segments that still all coexist together. And when it is working right, they work together beautifully, but sometimes it also works against you. So you have your reptilian brain, 
your like amygdala, which is your fight, flight, freeze response. You have your subconscious brain or your mammalian brain, which monitors your emotions, your heart rate, a lot of your human physiology, it, it manages all of this. And it's extremely, extremely powerful. That's kind of where all of your neuronal networks come to the forefront and come into play, right? That's where the power of your subconscious brain is. It handles all of the data that our newest portion of our brains can't handle. You have your prefrontal cortex, which is what makes us sentient. It allows us to think about our thinking and to ultimately be the leaders and the authorities of our own lives. I'm not sure if it was originally from Oprah, but I know she has used it, you know, that we're, we're the captain of our own destinies. Mm-hmm. That comes from our prefrontal cortex, which is phenomenal. We still have our reptilian brain right? Which is originally there to help us survive the physical dangers of the world around us. And it's still there. And unfortunately, the rest of our brain interacts with it and we use our imaginations. And because our brains from our, you know, reptilian brains have a bias towards negativity to constantly search for danger and things that could potentially harm us, that combined with a society that is no longer full of physical danger, our brains conjure up all of the social danger for us and then trigger our amygdala. And then that puts us in a, you know, like a fight, flight or freeze response. And a lot of times we think about, oh, I want to go out and do this. I want to get up in public speak. And then you think about, oh, but what if so-and-so like laughs at me or what if they don't like what I'm talking about or what if they don't resonate with me? That triggers our amygdala and creates adrenaline running through our body. And then we get panic attacks and anxiety and things like that. And it can be very, very difficult to break through until you can be in charge of your imagination and use your imagination properly. That amygdala response, that adrenal response, and often does inhibit us from going out and changing and growing and creating something new in our lives. So that's another huge factor as to why it's sometimes so difficult for people to change. Right. Yeah. Wow. There's so many questions I have. But the last piece of the last of the trifecta for why we end up saying stuck, or, you know, it's very hard for us to make changes long-lasting changes in our lives is I think the biggest piece. The last piece is the environment around us creates all of these triggers, right? we have all these neuronal networks in our brain, the physical environment around us, the people around us, what we read, what we absorb, all of these environmental factors stimulate certain triggers in our brain. And our current reality is based on our past behavior, our past beliefs, our past actions, our past results. So until we start physically changing the environment around us, we're going to keep triggering all of those neuronal networks that we're trying to get rid of. And then they're eventually going to suck us back into our old behavior. So anytime you're looking to make change, you have to change so much more than yourself. You have to change your environment. You need to start communicating with different people. There's a fantastic book that I'm in the middle of reading right now. It's so great. It's called um, Six Months to Six Figures by Peter Vood, who is a student of Tony Robbins as well. But, you know, he talks about very passionately in the course of his book about, you know, elevating the people that you associate with, right? If you want to elevate your income, then you need to start talking to people who are financially ahead of you and learn about what they're doing. If you're talking to all of your friends who are either, you know, financial parity or financial below, they're not going to have any advice that's going to help, you know, get you to the next level. 
So same thing when you're trying to make changes in your life, you start having to think about, okay, I love these people, but how much influence do I allow in my life? You have to change everything, what you're reading, what you're doing. Change is more than just how you behave on a day-to-day basis. So what's one of the best ways to create lasting change? Number one, and I'm not saying this just because I am a life coach, you have to find somebody who is going to support you through the change process, who's going to help hold you accountable. That is one of the biggest things. Sometimes, like, especially if you're in a financial circumstance where you can't change where you live or change some of the physical triggers that you have in your physical environment, you need that one person who's going to help keep you on track and who's not there to keep you safe. Yeah. Our friends, I love them. I have some phenomenal friends in my life and I don't know where I would be without them. They are a tremendous benefit in my life. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, they're going to go with the answers and the responses that are comfortable for them and what they feel is going to help protect me. A coach, right? Your coach is not there to be your friend. (laughs) Your coach is there to help you accomplish what it is that you really want to accomplish. That's why the most successful people in life, be they, you know, business people, entrepreneurs, executives, sports folks, all of those people without fail have a coach, somebody who is going to hold them accountable and push them to getting out of their comfort zone and then going on to the next level. You have got to have somebody who is that in your life. And whether it's a formal coach in terms of, you know, somebody that you are paying money to, or it is somebody that you are just talking to, you know, offhand who doesn't have the role of your friend, who's going to be like, okay, you said you were going to do this. What happened? Why didn't you do it? Okay. Well, you know, that, that's a nice excuse, but why didn't you do it? (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. Who's really going to push you that to me, if you want to make lasting change in your life, that is the greatest success factor you could ever have. So what are some indicators that your life is done aligned with your authentic self? When you wake up in the morning, if you get up in the morning and you hear that alarm ring and your first instinct is, oh, I don't want to get up. Uh, like I don't want to deal with today. That to me is the biggest indicator that you are not living your authentic life because I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be every single day that you're going to wake up and say, oh, like, I'm so excited to do this. When you are living your authentic life, when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking, oh, I've got this today. And oh, how am I going to tackle this? Like your brain is actively problem solving and thinking about what it wants to create in a positive way, right? You're not dreading the day. That's not to say, you know, no matter what you do in life, there are always going to be things that you hate doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There are always going to be things that you don't like doing that are associated with the work that you do. For me personally, like I hate marketing, (laughs) (laughs) which I love. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. So like, if I'm sitting there going, oh, like I've got to come up with this messaging, da, 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 da. Like, and that's what I've got for the day. Yes. There is going to be a day where I'm like, uh, I really don't feel like working on this today, but that should be like the odd duck right? That should be like the once in a while thing. If it's more than three days of the week, then you're not in the right place. There is something out of alignment. There is something out of whack that you need to go in there and fix. Something's not right. Yeah. I like that a lot. I look back at when I was in the corporate world and I would always wake up dreading it. I never liked getting up in the morning. 
I'm yeah. not one of those 5 a.m.ers. And now working for myself, do I work long hours? Absolutely, yes. But I sleep in every day and pet my dog stomach for like a half hour. <laughs> and that is my idea. People always say, what's your ideal day? Oh, I'm going to get up at five. I'm going to go work out. Me, it's sleeping in and petting my dog stomach. <laughs> But it's like the little things, right? That just yeah. make you happy. So it's very yeah. important to have that. And, you know, if you're not the type of person that likes to get up early and be someplace like at eight o'clock when your brain is still waking up like me, <laughs> it's <laughs> nice to be able to work for yourself. And, you know, I can work as late as I want and as many hours as I want, but I always make sure I sleep in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I am not naturally a morning person either. I have very, very low blood pressure, which means it takes a while for the blood to get circulating enough for my brain to be like fully awake. I am not a morning person, but being slow to rise and, you know, become fully awake and kind of like get your juice on. That's different from being like, why can't it be Saturday? Yeah. Like dreading it and yeah. thinking about, Oh, I don't want to go in and talk to everybody. I don't want to do this. You know, like just that dread of just not wanting to do it. And you just feel like you have to drag yourself. Exactly. There's, there's a difference. Yeah, definitely. There is. Yeah. But you being able to choose the life that you love and you enjoy is so important. It is. It really is. If there's somebody that's listening and they're not living the life that they desire, they're not sure maybe what a new life would look like or what they should possibly do, what advice would you give them? I would say, listen to yourself. That is the biggest thing, right? Like I talked about earlier, people train themselves to stop listening to their authentic voice from a very, very young age. The way our current education system is, our society is, it is not a society that is oriented towards living and chasing your dreams and you know finding the strength and the courage within to go ahead and do that. That is not the way our society, unfortunately, is geared. So number one, you start listening to yourself. And if you can't hear the specifics yet, you have to start somewhere, right? Anytime somebody is a novice, their actions are going to be broad strokes. If you look at a, a young swordsman versus a master swordsman, they can make the same general motions of, you know, swinging a sword over their heads as a longtime master does. But there's going to be a huge difference. The sword master, when he, you know, cuts his sword down, you're going to hear a whistle through the air because the stroke is so clean and so pure without wavering, without trembling, and it's so defined. But the beginner is not going to have that. It's going to be all, a little bit all over the place. It's not going to be clean. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be wobbly. Same thing. But that doesn't change the fact that they're doing the same motions. So as you're listening to yourself, it starts with the broad strokes. Listening to yourself. Where are you feeling longing? Where are you feeling discontent? Start there. No, it's not going to come to you in an epiphany. Oh, I should be doing X, Y, Z. <laughs> Yeah. Especially if really strongly trained yourself not to listen to yourself. The stronger that training is, the harder it's going to be here clearly what that voice is saying. So you start with the broad strokes, your longings and your discontent. And then as you get it narrower and narrower and narrower and you get better at hearing it, the voice will become clearer and you will start to hear it in your thoughts and you will recognize it instantly. It's like picking up a phone call from a longtime friend, right? They don't even have to say, oh, by the way, it's so-and-so. You hear them say hi, and you know who it is. 
with time and practice that will come. So start longing discontent. All right, I don't enjoy getting up. I'm dreading the day. What is my longing? What would I really love to do? What is my discontent with this, right? You start listening and it starts coming. It's like a muscle. In what ways can your mindset keep you stuck and how do you motivate yourself? Mindset is probably one of the most crucial things. And it's one of those things where there's an expression, what you practice in private is what you get rewarded for in public, right? That principle is so true when it comes to your mindset to the millionth degree, like exponentially. I can't even begin to talk about how important it is. Because our brains do have this bias towards negativity, it is so easy for us to fall into a victim mindset. So easy. Everything, right? We see lack. We see, oh, it's happening to us. Oh, you know, like, why does this always happen to me? Or, oh, you know, I just wish that I would have like blah, 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 blah. Instead of seeing the challenges that come towards us as being opportunities for us to grow and expand and become better and more and move forward, we see them as obstacles and things that are going to hold us back or, you know, another negative thing that's just making our lives miserable. We are experiencing this to varying degrees. Maybe for some people, it might not be quite so obvious as like, but there's a portion of us that reacts that way to everything that comes our way. And the faster we can be aware that that's happening and then get on it, use our prefrontal cortex and say, no, that is not how I choose to think about this. I choose to think about it this way. That is probably like the biggest thing when it comes to mindset. You have to be consistent about it. We all kind of fall asleep at the wheel throughout our day. It happens to everybody. It happens to me. You know, I've been working on training my awareness and my awakeness and aliveness for quite a few years now. And it still happens to me. I'll be like going through my day and I'll be like, ooh, wow. I just realized like for the past, like three hours, I have been asleep at the wheel and, you know, gotten into a negative mindset where I'm kind of like taking on this victim mentality instead of taking charge of myself, taking charge of my life and choosing how I'm going to respond in the moment. So that mindset, that sort of alertness and consciously choosing the words that you're using, choosing how you're interpreting all of the data coming into you, it's definitely a skill set and a mindset. And the better you get at it, the more opportunities that you see, the easier it is to create a life and create the change that you want in your life. So that mindset is so key. You talked about, you know, motivation and mindset and to address the motivation piece, it's really spending time living as if you're in the future. If we're all standing over an acorn and going, why the heck aren't you an oak tree yet? (laughs) Right. We're creating a sense of lack and we're looking at our goals, but we're seeing the fact that they're not in life yet, that they haven't happened yet. Instead of going, okay, I'm reacting to life or I'm moving through life. I'm using the behaviors of life as if the oak tree is already there. That is how I'm choosing to move through life. I know the oak tree is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I have complete and total faith and confidence that it's going to happen and living from that space. When you do that, you take action, the right kind of action. And the more you take the right kind of action, the more your confidence and your faith grows. And that is motivation. 
a lot of people, you know, will come out and say that they're a motivational speaker and I loathe and detest that term, right? (laughs) You can't motivate other people. You can't get your motivation from external factors. That is inspiration. So if you want to say you're an inspirational speaker, I'm hundred percent for it, right? I will never say that I'm a motivational speaker. I am an inspirational speaker. I help to inspire people and get them connected to things. Motivation is 100% intrinsic and it comes from you doing and staying focused on being the person that you envision for yourself and taking you know, actions that are in harmony with that. So that's where real true motivation comes from. I love reading books. It helps keep me on the path and helps, you know, me fine tune my mindset. But I know that ultimately, if I'm going to stay motivated, I have to keep my promises to myself. I have to take action that's in alignment with, with my dream. And every time I don't do that, I forgive myself, but I then go, okay, that's in the past. Right now, I'm going to take action right now that's in harmony and in alignment with what I envision for myself. And that gets my motivation levels right back up. I can definitely testify to what you're saying about how to really rewire your brain because I used to have CPTSD and really was in that permanent state of fight or flight and couldn't digest my food, you know, all of that. And I had to, because that was a default for me for so many years, I had to reverse that. I had to get myself out of it. And I did it. We mentioned Tony Robbins through Tony Robbins priming which covers the exact same as that you're talking about, like thinking about the things that you want to accomplish in your life, staying in gratefulness, think of the things that you're grateful for and feeling those emotions and believing for the things that you want as if they already exist and staying in that. And as I did that every day, conditioned myself to be in a positive state, to live from a place of believing what I was believing for existed. And not living in that reactive mode. That's when my life completely transformed and I was able to reverse the CPTSD. So I definitely can testify to what you're saying. Absolutely works. And, you know, even from my tendency is to go right into the extreme mode, survival mode, you know, something happens where an average person might go, okay, I'm in victim mindset. I go into, oh my gosh, the world's ending. (laughs) I have to fight (laughs) to survive, you know? And usually that to me, my fight is workaholism. (laughs) And I always know that when I all either overwork or if there's nothing I can do, I would check out and play video games on my iPhone or scroll on social media. You know, a couple of weeks would go by and all of a sudden I'd realize, okay, why is my house a mess? Because when I was faithful in doing those priming meditations and keeping myself intentionally focused on the right things and all that, then I don't go into reactive mode. Right. You know, but when I forget about it and something triggers me, then, you know, I'll go into one of these other modes and it's like my brain just switches off or something. And what wakes me up is usually I'll look around and go, why is my house a mess? Okay. has to be that I've been stressed out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And I continue to work on that. I've gotten better and better and better. I think I went from CPTSD to then high functioning anxiety. And I think I've almost nailed that where I've almost gotten rid of completely of that as well. So it works along with my success story. What are some of your client success stories? You know, there are a lot of people that I have coached and mentored over the years, but I'd say right now there are two that I am really proud. And, you know, every time I speak with them, I'm just like, Woo! 
<laughs> you know, you feel that inner bubble glow of joy just come out and just like shine through you. One of my clients, when I first met her and I started talking with her, you should have seen her fantastic client in terms of she always has her video camera on. So I can always see her facial expressions as a you know transformational life coach. I am specially trained to listen, not to just what people say, but how they say it. Right. I was always very emotionally intelligent, but, you know, further on through my very rigorous certification process, you know, we did a lot of training to listen to how people said things. And when I first started working with her, it was like talking to a zombie almost. And she was very upfront with me. She explained how, you know, she felt very disconnected from life and she had lost her spark. She didn't know what she wanted. She didn't know what to do. She was one of those individuals that we were kind of talking about earlier where they had so trained themselves not to listen to their authentic voice that they didn't even know, had the vaguest clue of what it sounded like. They were so like disconnected. She just knew that she was really, really unhappy and she wasn't living the life that she wanted. So throughout working with her, you know, it took a little extra to kind of help her because she was so desensitized to her authentic voice. But now when I talk to her, it's like 180, right? Not to say that there aren't still things for us to work on in helping her create the life that she loves, absolutely loves living. Like there are some things that, you know, we're still working through and things like that. But let me tell you, she has facial expression. You can hear the animation in her voice. She smiles all the time. She laughs. And as a life coach, like that is such a high, (laughs) right? She did all the work. Don't get me wrong. But to know that by working with her and helping her, this has happened for somebody else and has created, you know, taken somebody who was basically going through the motions to somebody who's vigorously alive. Like that to me is just, it's so amazing. And it's just a test to her courage because the work that I ask for my clients is not easy. For anybody who's out there, if you have a good life coach, what they ask you to do should never be easy. It should challenge you every single time you talk to them. They should give you stuff to work on that's going to challenge you and push you and like get you to grow. Mm -hmm. If they're just sitting there letting you kind of get away with things, like they're not doing their job. (laughs) But to know that with this particular client, to see that happen to her, it's so wonderful to see. And to know that no matter what happens from here on out, she's got it. That is one of the greatest rewards and the best things that I've seen in a long time. What's your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? I would say for me, the biggest truth is integrity and honor. They're so undervalued today, but they make all the difference in the world. As we train ourselves to stop listening to our most authentic voice, we start breaking promises to ourselves. We start treating ourselves terribly from the inside out. And it used to be, you know, part of society, you know, that your word should be ironclad and it should be bound. Like if you say you're going to do something, you should go out and do it. And somehow like in modern society, there are many, many fantastic things out there. Don't get me wrong, but we have lost sight of that why we are willing to keep promises to other people, but we're not willing to keep our promises to ourselves and treat ourselves so terribly like that. I've really come to a much deeper appreciation of how much harm we inflict upon ourselves and ultimately the people around us by not doing that. So to me, that's the greatest truth. The better you are at keeping promises to yourself, to listening to yourself, to treating yourself with respect, the better everything is for everybody. I think that's probably the greatest truth I've had to learn in my life, you know, especially for somebody who was their first response was, oh, I'm going to go and help (laughs) so-and-so, right? 
okay, class, I want you to do this, Christy, do your own work. Don't help, <laughs> you know, don't help so-and-so, right? To learn to really do that for myself has been one of the biggest truths I've had to learn and it's had the greatest impact on my mental health, my physical life and my relationships with others. So to me, that is probably the biggest truth that as I look back on it, when I've fallen away from it, my life has deviated greatly and I've been very, very unhappy. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Don't overthink it. I think part of this goes back to not knowing my own voice, you know, training myself not to listen to my own voice where I would sit there and I'd be like, oh, what is it that I really want to do? And I would spend so much time trying to like figure out and imagine all of these things. And I would get myself stuck in this analysis paralysis kind of, kind of phase and, you know, trying to learn and absorb more information. And I think I got myself to this point where I just kept searching for more knowledge instead of acting on and mastering the knowledge that I already had. Yeah. There's lots of stuff that I'm not going to know. There's lots of things that I don't know if I can accomplish or do, but I'm not really going to know until I actually go out and do it. Suspend your fear, let it go, make an appointment with it five weeks from now or one week from now or whenever it is, let go of the fear, let go of the thinking, just go out and do it. You'll figure it out as you go along the way. As long as you know approximately where your North is, that's all you really need. You'll find out the rest as you go along. So just don't overthink it. Just take your guidepost and go. So if someone is listening and they'd really like to get more information about working with you, what's the best way to contact you? Best thing to do is to reach out to me via my email, which is Chris, C-H-R-I-S at chrysaliscoachingllc.com. I know it's a really long name, but uh, chrysalis, <laughs> like the butterfly chrysalis, that was very intentional. Coaching LLC, all one word.com. That is the best way to go ahead and reach out to me. Just, you know, send me an email, contact me, especially for all of your listeners. Just let me know that they are coming from your podcast and I will give you guys a complimentary strategy session. And they're about $150. You're getting quite the savings. So go ahead and reach out to me via email. You can also come check me out on my website, which is chrysaliscoachingllc.com. So you can go ahead and check me out there. There are some links to go ahead and get to my email that way as well. But those are the two best ways to reach out to me. Perfect. And I will put all your links down below as well. And Chris, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge. It's been so amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. You know, I really hate talking about all of this stuff. You know, it's so boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, anything that I can do to help make a difference in somebody's life, I will do it. When my clients commit to working with me and they give me that commitment, I will move heaven and earth to help you accomplish what it is that you truly want. So being able to do that, it's such a privilege. I love it. And I would love to work with anybody out there who is looking to change their lives and they know that they need that change. I will help you uncover it. I will help you figure things out as you go along and I will help you make sure that change actually happens. So that your brain, your environment doesn't work against you. Love it. So thank you so much for coming on. And if you're listening, you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to acalltothrive.com. Thank you, everyone. And-